0: Whatever it means to you podcast episode number sixty three with T J Hilton T J has been a guest of ours before um, you may know him from the episode when I when I had him and uh, Mister Cole Huffer in uh, to discuss uh, uh, some of the stuff that they were doing with Enlightened Studios I'm not going to say much about it we but we get pretty you know we get pretty heavy uh, probably one of the most honest conversations that I think we've had on this podcast and honestly very representative of kind of like what the vision was for the podcast. In general, um,
1: I agree. in Insight into a little personal uh, backstories and lives—you know what makes people tick. Yeah. Uh, even these guys who are doing huge, big, insane things—they're—they're they're real fucking people, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 everything that comes with that human experience yeah. being a real fucking person.
0: Yeah, uh, man. Li- life's a, a tricky thing, and and everyone has their own stories, and uh, you know. As long as we can utilize what what little platform we have here on the podcast to um, to allow people to come in here and tell authentic stories and have honest conversations, um, I feel like I feel like my job's done. and I, and I think we kind of hit that on the head today uh, with TJ. Not only uh, does he have a very compelling story to tell, but, also just a, a really great dude to talk to and um, I'm, I'm really glad to have him on here I won't say anything else about this because we're just gonna get right into it so uh enjoy listening to this episode number 63 TJ Hilton hit us up on email wimty, W-I-M-T-Y, dot podcast at gmail.com write us an email uh, and uh, maybe we'll discuss it with you here uh, but uh n- nonetheless just uh, we'll get right into it TJ Hilton 63. <laughs> From Boat Studios in Destin, Florida, it's the Whatever It Means to You podcast.
1: It's something that most people don't like at first.
0: With Jared Gramblin. I
1: love my job, but I hate talking to people like you. And Shane Denton. White people, yay! We got a good one for you today.
0: All right, so Whatever It Means to You podcast. A veteran in the house today, TJ Hilton. What's up, TJ?
1: How you doing, guys? This place looks awesome, by the way.
0: Thanks, man. We're very, very excited to be here. Shouts to Boat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice digs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I mentioned it earlier, but I-, I think part of this was a uh um you know, a partnership, but also I think part of it was also the last time they came in my office, they, <laughs> they felt <laughs> real bad <laughs> for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of kind of one of those. Th-
1: did they reach out to you? Or well, did you already have the relationship? Yeah, I've
0: I've known Boat. Boat was, uh, I was their first employee ever. Like the first what? paycheck they ever wrote to an employee. Yeah, I did my college internship with them. And then it turned into a job for a little while as well. Um, so that was what, 2011? Mm-hmm. Years ago, eight years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What, and, you, uh, what
1: was your school? Uh, what was your focus? PR and marketing. Sweet. Marketing. <laughs> yeah,
0: but with Boat, it was everything. It was Building them, it was doing glass work. It was, yeah. you know, it was before that the, they, they had everything sourced and mainstream. I, th- I think we were producing like forty boards every
1: yeah, three I, months. I, I Isn't that insane? <laughs> I built boards with them too, and it was crazy. I I worked off a boat. Yeah, I worked off a boat. I got one.
0: Yeah, he worked for a board.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's great though.
0: Yeah, so like paid like an hourly toward a board at yeah. a discounted rate. So like Are they still do they wanted... still
1: have that uh, option available? I, don't <laughs> so. I doubt.
0: I doubt. <laughs> I, I doubt. think there's like forty. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like forty employees now that they can actually that's
1: pay. Insane. I love the stories of successful startups that just keep going. You know? Yeah, man.
0: He, uh, not to not to do it. Air out too much of his business, but he started uh, with cashing in his four hundred one k of about forty thousand dollars. And started boat, and I, I would just be spitballing to, to guess a figure, but the company is worth multiple multiple millions of dollars now,
1: and it should be. I, I their brand is awesome. I love everyone trying to pronounce. You know, it's like the the word itself <laughs> makes you pause. I mean, is that boatay? Is it boat? <laughs> but, you know, and I just, I, but it's great. And um, now it makes more sense that you're here, and it's very, it's like legacy for you walking around the corner right there. That's nice. Um. That's one of the nicest walk-in. Is that their actual like commercial office, or is this like the headquarters?
0: Yeah, this is their headquarters. They're, yeah, basically their, their corporate office, I guess, for lack of a better term. But yeah. this is where all their marketing people are, all their uh, website building. Uh, Corey's just five five paces down. So awesome. We're going to start a little segment with him like every uh, five or six episodes, just <laughs> get him in for 10 minutes and yeah. just giving him a topic. And I don't say a word and just <laughs> let him go. <laughs> Oh and man! So, but thanks for coming back in, man. Yeah, Definitely bro. appreciate it, dude. Um, you hit me up probably about um, a month ago. You you put me in contact with our last guest who we had last week, uh, Oblique and Hollywood meet of the Strangers. That that was a super enjoyable. I'm so podcast, thrilled! I can't like,
1: wait to listen to that. Has um, that posted yet? Yeah, tomorrow. Okay, I yeah. can't wait, man. I those they're very special to me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, we had a good time. When we got dude, done we like blessed. they left, and Shane was like. I really enjoyed that one, <laughs> I mean, not that we don't enjoy doing yeah, this, but right. we wouldn't i mean we don't, we don't make any money, so we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't enjoy
1: it, but that one was just one of the like we didn't know what to expect, and at the end of it, it was like that was a lot of fun. yeah, thanks for um taking that up so easily too. i just i I don't like to ask, and I didn't feel like it was a favor. I just felt like, hey this is there's content here you'll know, be worth um, mm-hmm. your awesome show, and I knew that y'all would click, but I, I was your reaction made me super happy it's, yeah, they're really hustling hard, and I think their new music it's like three songs I've heard. And it's just not, I mean, to be honest, it's not my typical genre of music, but three songs, I had chills each time. I was like, wow, man, just, they, this, they've come so far. And I just love anyone with that amount of hustle in any endeavor, you know, mm-hmm. especially in music, because that's thats the hard one, you know. That's the one so many want, but they just don't push hard enough, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. Well, especially at a local level, you, you have to support everything you can. But, I mean, if we're being honest, there, there's kind of a line to where, not that we don't expect Super high quality things from local artists, but there's also a lot of not so good stuff too that you that I still try to be supportive of because everyone's trying. You we know? should do a whole and episode <laughs> one day when you have nothing else to just do trash about- everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the
1: realities of the music scene here because yeah. you know, when I opened the green door. It was literally from this like black hole void I experienced in Fort Walton as a newbie just working as a defense contractor. I'd go to KC's, and you know, and I'm not knocking anybody. It was just like the same thing. I kept hearing Jimmy Buffett covers and just it's just really boring and bland. Mm. And then to open the green door initially I was going for more of like this artist boutique thing which wasn't gonna make any money, but um, to sustain itself. Then it turned into a music venue at the last minute and the music venue aspect of it was a dream I've had probably my whole life. I just love being around musicians. I'm a fan. I just like to listen to them play. I just mm-hmm. want to give them a stage, but it really is something to be said about the amount of musicians and artists in this area, the amount of content they're producing, and then the lack of just like, I guess there's like a bridge of ignorance that's hard for people to overcome right? when it comes to uh, not just like the songwriting and their image and the whole package, the marketing of it. Like, And people throw around the word marketing so loosely, and I hate that because it's it's so much more than just this idea of advertising or getting on social media. I mean, you're getting into the weeds of psychology. You're getting into mm. the weeds of smallest viable market, um, and it's, it's hard. There's like that sm- very small percentage. In life, you have that 80-20, right, and it's 20% of the people that – Are usually so successful or or doing so much more as far as like innovating and creating. But when it comes to the music scene, I mean, it's like, it's like what 5% of everything going on here is making it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of good stuff. I just, they need direction. And like, as you know, managing uh, bands and stuff, it takes so much to accomplish Mm -hmm. what they all want to accomplish. You know, it's just like someone wanting to start a business, you just go into it. And it's not something, even if you had all the money in the world, which you never do, just throwing money at something's not gonna solve it. You gotta hire the right people to do the right things. Um, and it's a lot of managing that it's just, it's one thing to sit outside and think about this dream you have, but then to make it happen and then keep it sustainable, that's the most difficult thing.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. And um, And when they left, I showed Shane the video of their latest video, and he was watching, he's like, that's, that's actually good <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> you know not that not that he like expected to be bad but you just never know what to expect you know I exactly uh, no from... exactly
1: that's how I felt too I was like man that's that's good that's mm, really good yeah
0: and and that's also funny that you say that too about really even measuring success in the music business because I can remember being on the road with Imogene and just having a string of bad event after bad event after bad event happen you're just like what are we doing like this is yeah. stupid but then you just think about it you're like wait a second we're in Seattle uh in uh, a van that, that's not just a, a, a shitty touring van. Like this is a this this van's a year old. We can stand up in it. We can fit all of us in it, carry all of our gear. Like you've already made it past
1: what ninety eight oh percent God. of vans
0: yeah. ever get to accomplish and now we're here we're here bitching about
1: it. That's the one you thing know? I've always wanted to do was just tour um with Um, a band, I mean, just, like, in the nitty-gritty, too. Not even, I mean, like, the the nasty, nasty, like, there's just this weird passion. I don't know if it's, like, the soldier in me or what. I just want to get down in the dirt with them and go on some, like, you know, ungodly 12-hour, 15-hour tour out to Texas or something ridiculous and just really experience all that because that, when you talk about that, that's another thing. I hear these guys talking about wanting to get these, like, these tours and these gigs, and it's, like, to think about the logistics... The, the food, the cost of all of that just to sustain, and then going into places where no one knows you mm-hmm. and marketing ahead and scheduling ahead. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's and, right? and,
0: and at the end of the day, no one at the venue really cares. You know, yeah. the only time they care is if they sold a certain amount of booze while you were playing. But, you know, bottom line's bottom line. Right. So you never know what you're going to walk into. Sometimes you'll walk into and someone will be there and be like, hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be your point of contact tonight. Let's get you set up. And then sometimes you walk in there like, yeah, who are you?
1: Yeah, or like, they don't even care. Yeah, like yeah. We, yeah, we just j- stages <laughs> over there. Yeah. Y'all know what to do. I'm sure you know. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. It's definitely it's definitely one of those things to where there's just so many variables. You just you have to keep a good attitude. And luckily, uh, with Imogene, they're they're all really good humans as well. Can love them, which, which yeah. makes it so much easier. Like I'm, when I, I miss
1: get- <laughs> them, I miss just yeah. I don't. I hardly went to their shows. I mean, it's I um I just like spending time with them. Mm. You know. I got to spend uh, an evening with Robbie and Charlie one night, and that was the most fun. Charlie and I have this weird um, passion for Third Eye Blind; it's like a random (laughs) thing. And I, I, didn't know that anyone else really cared. And then I found out I was at Coasters one night, and I was like, Charlie, I was like, is it true that you like Third Eye Blind? And we just like had this weird spark, and then big time, big time. Well, then I realized I wasn't as big of a fan as he was. I didn't even know about a couple albums. And he was like, What? And he's like, You gotta come over and we gotta listen to these albums and I was like, Whoa Yeah. Goo goo so,
0: dolls and uh Oh man. Who else? Who else does he? Red hot ch has got a red hot chili pepper stuff oh, and stuff. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. He's a
1: nineties like like pop had, alternative I fan. That. I didn't know that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. You don't find many Third Eye Blind fans uh, as passionate crazy. as he is. Yeah, and,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. He sent, he sent me a text and he's like, look what I got for Jess's birthday. And he, he got Goo Goo Doll tickets for, <laughs> for the Tabernacle in Atlanta. The Tabernacle? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Oh, word? <laughs> <laughs> like he was so pumped about oh, it. Which, you know he which made was. me really excited too, that's just because so I was just like, I mean, I guess I'll see the goo goo dolls, but no, oh, he did was you go? like, No. No. But like, no, but when I see that when I see the tickets, I was like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's kinda cool. But when I saw his reaction, then I got pumped for it. That's him, my thing. Because I could him, see how excited how, yeah, he was. He is
1: when he lights up, man, he's excited. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He and Robbie
1: he and Robbie together are, are a fun duo to Charlie he used to come to the Green Door and I just love this guy. He was always quiet, but like I swear to God, like all the women in the room just just creak their necks. It's like I'll be like, What's going they on in him. here? They love love Char- Charlie is a magnet <laughs> for that. Like and I harass him about it and I'm not even trying to be funny sometimes. I'm like, dude, what what is it? what is it? What is it? You know, like you're a beautiful man, like what are you smelling? Like, what's that movie Michael with um John Travolta, where he's the angel, and the girls said he smelled like cookies or something. You remember that? I
0: I don't remember that part, dude.
1: I I, I think there's something like that with Charlie. Like he must put off some pheromones that just drive some nuts. All ages too. Yeah, love Charlie. It's
0: wild. The last time they came in here on the episode, uh, like 24 (laughs) hours later, he texted me. He's like, "Hey man, can you take out like those four minutes where you start talking about like like ladies liking me?" (laughs) I was like, "No, you signed the waiver, dude." (laughs) Uh, it's like a billion
1: of men out there that would rather be in Charlie's shoes. So yeah, <laughs> he, can, he can he can handle it. Yeah,
0: but uh, but man, talking about Green Door, I, the first time I ever went to Green Door was when it was uh, at the original location, what yeah. I assume is the original location upstairs, uh, studio club. Yeah, um, and I went there and I walked in there and I was like, this place has a vibe. This place is, I like it. I like this place. And then uh, that was the first time I ever heard Cody Copeland do his thing solo. At and the gre-
1: oh wait, wait, you are talking about the Green Door? Um, it was Up the Stairs yeah. by Casey. You heard Cody up there? Yeah. It Dude. was just
0: him and his guitar, and he came up, and I was with my boy Travis, and he's like, you need to check out Cody. Yeah. And 20 seconds into his first song, I w- the, the room was silent. Uh, Didn't you ask me about him on Instagram
1: like last year? Was that you? It was probably a few years ago. Yeah. Um. Cody, I think, is so funny. When we were just having that conversation at the very beginning, he was in my mind about that that small percentage of, he's just got something so special, man. And Cody Copeland, seriously, was, I, I got to be a um, celebrity judge with um, Season Ammons and Ed Jack out at... Uh, oh, the Build-A-Band thing, right? This the Booster Band. Th- yeah. It's it was like at Great 30A Songwriter Radio. Mm-hmm. Josette Shannon mm-hmm. invited me to come out and do that. It was really awesome. I didn't know anyone, and, and nobody knew me. I, and I look back, and I'm thinking, man, there must have been so many people in that room that eventually came to the green door, and I eventually got to know. But at the time, I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And the um, point is, uh, Battle of the Bands, and everyone was great. You know, everyone was cool. But when Cody got up there, he had Ben and Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith became a super good friend of mine. He's mm-hmm. an incredible human, too. But Cody, man... I just I was blown away. I, I looked at season and then, I was like, well, I mean, they knew. Like, there was no yeah. doubt they were going to win. And yeah. I even said in my little thing, in my little feedback, I said, look, guys, there's a case, a red stripe with your name on it, the green door in Fort Walton Beach, please come. And um, the sad thing is, a lot of people don't know this. I had Cody come out in October. That was 2014, I guess. And, uh man, and I had all these dudes helping me film him. We had GoPros, we had all these cameras, and this was back before um, I got further into video production. And I had the the live audio, and we are trying to produce some kind of cool little... We had an exclusive show, limited tickets, everything quiet in there, sound engineers, all this stuff. And then the management of that fell apart. And I was that was one of my... The worst disappointments for me at the green door was that we could not manage. It ended up I couldn't find... I think I lost a GoPro from that. I never got half the footage and mm-hmm. it just didn't come together. And um I was so disappointed because I've always wanted to really capture Cody in a way and broadcast him out there. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, he needs it.
1: I'm so glad you saw him there. That's it. so cool. Yeah. He is worthy of it. And he's humble. Yeah. He's so humble, but he's got that true artist thing. Like he's just every now and then you meet someone that said just that's what they were born to do.
0: Yeah. You know. Well, and it's just I, I think Cody is best with just him and a guitar. Yeah. It's haunting. It's so good. Uh, oh man. And and uh, that that EP that he did, the uh, I think it's called like the Laramar Sessions or something like that. That it's just him and a guitar and it's just so good. It's His album so good. Two
1: States um was real significant to me um being that he's gay and it was this like album of love songs through a breakup between him and I think a partner from Chicago, and it was just like the depth of it, these songs that you could relate in any relationship, any Mm -hmm. gender, anything. Um, And I worked with, um, I mean, half the staff there was gay or bi or whatever, and it was just a very, I had, there's so many nights there'd be some drunk Air Force kid at the bar, and be like, hey dude, am I in a gay bar? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no bro, you're in an everyman bar, it's all good. Like, um, And speaking about what we're getting to the topic of mental health, um, you know, a lot of these artists and a lot of the... The scene is is really driven by people that struggle with anxiety, depression, and from my experience when it comes to artistic people, that's always I think there's a correlation throughout history it's like a madness and genius thing, it's like your brain skewed one way and you get, it's like the tip scale mm-hmm. and so some of these people like I've met um, even Cody I would say is kind of anxious at least, I don't want to speak too much on behalf of all of these artists, but a lot of them struggle so much with anxiety um, depression, they can't hardly get out into public. And it's amazing to see them get on stage and perform sometimes knowing that they're battling with that, that whole experience. And then some of them too, it's like their daily life, they can't hardly function and go out and be as comfortable as everyone else. But they get on that stage and they're just like a magical Mm -hmm. angel, you know, but well, um, it's
0: such a vulnerable thing too, because you're writing very personal stories um, the two melodies that you've created in your head and somehow are, are putting out there, and and I can definitely, you know, I, I used to be a musician as well. I, Sweet, um, that's kind of how I started out. In in the, I played in bands. I like, I, I didn't know. I, that I so. almost went to college on a on a vocal scholarship and stuff. Like I sang all through middle school and high school and in church and all that kind of stuff. I
1: had no idea.
0: Yeah, the, are you. The reason that you wouldn't is because you only knew me from booking. And when I started booking, I made a clear distinction that my days of playing were over because I had seen other booking agents like try to book but then like try to be an artist and it's sit hard. in and it, it just kind of it looked fake. you know it didn't it didn't look good from either end but uh, but anyway, like I just recently started uh, working with a uh, commercial, uh, video production company based out of Pensacola. I'm spending a lot of time out there with those oh, guys. Oh, I saw now. that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, we're making commercials and That's stuff. That's awesome. And um, I'm and I'm uh, and I'm. It's really great because I get to flex my creativity and and I write scripts and stuff. And I get it now because when you're writing something that you're creating in your head. Like halfway through it, you're like, this is garbage. I know. And then, and then you'll send it to someone and be like, this is great. Like someone would tell you this is great. And you're like, no, you're full of shit. It's garbage. Never to work. it. Yeah. Never yeah. And it's just like, like with this podcast, this is just me talking to people. So if someone doesn't like it, I don't take it personal because you just, you might not like what I have to say or what my guest had to say. That's something. But when I'm actually creating, you know, something, Content. it's different. Yeah, you know, I, it, I definitely, it takes a different toll on you. And along with all the anxiety and all that stuff that comes with creating that, you know, that content that's either personal to you or is this worthy of anyone else appreciating? Are you,
1: would you consider yourself anxious or depressed And any, I mean, just to throw that out there with this conversation about mental health? No, oh, I deal with it all the time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, I'm
0: such a large, that's why I'm such a large, uh, uh advocate for medicinal marijuana and stuff because yeah. it's, it's completely changed my life over the last year, um, from, from being on a, a low dose, uh, anxiety medication that I would kind of only take as needed um, but I've had so many friends. Some, my best friend ever, who, who's died from uh, overdoses of either opiates or yeah, or other pills. Opiates. So I, I try to tread super lightly on anything that I know that could possibly kill me. Um, and, and also, I've, I've dealt with uh, with serious bouts of depression. Um, but like temporarily, like um, an example would be when I was uh, 13 years old when my parents moved me from Virginia to Crestview, Florida. All right. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, tucky. yeah, there were, there were a couple times when I was like, either move me back, get me out of Crestview or like, I'll take care of, like, I'll take care of myself, you yeah. know, like the suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. Um, did you listen uh, to the
1: sad music at the time? Like were you ever uh, into like some I, of the emo? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was the, into punk rock and, yeah, and, and, and all, darker all that stuff. All tent- yeah. alternative, yeah. Yeah,
0: um, a lot of hip-hop, a lot of hip-hop too. Um, but uh, but I, I've kind of worked to try to keep a lot of that at bay, but it's funny you mentioned that, and then, and then I'll let you take it from there. But um, I've become a lot more open about talking about it with other people because uh, for a lot of times it was almost like this part of me that that I felt ashamed of. But I think everyone deals with it. It's just how honest are you with yourself and yeah. other people and some people to different at
1: different, different levels and stuff. But I, I really I, I and the reason I just pushed that to you so fast is because I I, and maybe you do, too. But I, I've developed like that sense of knowing um, I battled with depression my whole life. It seems I didn't understand it until my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know I didn't realize what I was going through as a teenager was more than just, you know, hormones and being a teenager and. Um, But it's funny when you start to talk about the anxiety of, for example, like when you're putting out those scripts. Dude, it's like I can (laughs) – there's not one thing I can do that I'm satisfied with. There's Mm -hmm. not one thing I could – I could spend a million years on everything I do trying to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a level of um, being naturally anxious that makes it worse, you know, when you're that way. It's like it's double what I think some other people go through. Some people I find are so confident, be like, oh, no, this is good. And I know most people are, are still wish things could be a little bit better, but the anxiety of like, oh, I hate this. I hate myself. Like it's like it's never good enough. They're gonna judge me. Like it's this weird, uh, counterintuitive uh, mental situation. But um, I wanted to push that to you because, do you ever get the sense, you know, in a room or when you're around people, you can kind of tell some people are a little more anxious than others, or some people seem to be not just because they're introverted or quiet, but some people just have a certain demeanor. And a certain consistency over time when I see them or interact with them, where I feel like they could be depressed or have been uh, down that path, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and with you, all my interactions with you, um, one I always had mad respect. I love people that are like you. You're always diligent. You're always on the. I, I always say the hustle. That's such a general term, but like when you'd come into the studio, you just have. It'd be like work time. You'd have your computer, and even when you and your brother come in, it was like I love that hey, we're here, we're doing business, drinking some coffee, having a good time. But um, I like people that live by action, Mm. and you're one of those, to me, that's like, you know, you're not out there dancing around like, hey, I'm I'm managing, I'm a gene, look at me, you know what I mean? Like it's that there's something about the humility and the due diligence of work. And being depressed, one of the things I did want to discuss today was the miracle it takes just to be productive sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some of these artists, too, and these musicians, it's like... um, it's amazing to me what they, some of them, overcome, and then it's sad to know that a lot of them will not overcome that, or will have to compensate with drugs or with some other type of, um, you know, uh, outlet. And uh, have you, you know, Russell Brand by any chance? The goofy <laughs> kind of British guy. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just read this addiction book he put out, uh-huh. and honestly, it was really, um, really eye opening for me. And he talks about how anything can be an addiction, which, you know, you generally understand that. But, I, you know, there's been times where I've been addicted to Netflix, you know, where I, basically to me this addiction becomes anything that's a distraction that I just routinely go to. It doesn't have to be alcohol or marijuana. It can be Netflix, you know. Um, but he said, you know, some people it's cake and sweets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a funny thing we do sometimes where it's like kicking the can down the road and you just continue to do this one thing, and so I've learned recently that I've been really busy, but it doesn't mean I'm being productive. Mm-hmm. Like I have to be doing stuff, or my depression takes over. I was gonna, I was just gonna say the exact same thing, and that's kind of how I worked through a lot of mine. I think that's where um, you're at in life, it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's really what does it. Is uh, if I, it used to be, say in my early 20s, I would, I'd say I had. Whether it's bills or I, I was in the military or or this coming up or, or this EPR coming up or, or something like that, um, I would just kind of I would let things just go and I wouldn't take care of them and all that did was pile on and pile on uh, and pile on. Yeah. So like my <clears throat> the, the the way that I've been able to attack it in my personal life is. By really, through action, by saying, "Okay, this is and every day I start my day out, I get up, I, I have a coffee, I check my emails, and then I make a list, I check my list from yesterday to make sure that everything is checked off that fucking list. And if it's not, I add that to my list for the for two day and then add it and just and I check those things off and what and what I found is by having those on paper and checking like each time I check it off, I get that shot of good feeling in my head. I gotta get on that and I, and I just and and it makes me way more productive as well. Um, and especially for me, do, doing this podcast, working with a video production company, I'm still booking over a thousand gigs a year with namesake. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have a system. Yeah. Like, if 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 it was just chaos flying over my head, uh, it, it it would definitely add to the depression and the anxiety. But but it's almost like a treat for me checking each thing off. So each thing I take care of makes me feel better, makes me on top of my shit, And it's kind of it's funny because the uh, the producer that I work with recently, he went to Colorado for a week, so. Last week, like Wednesday, I I don't think I had one thing on my calendar and that just never happened. So I was like, okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat and then I'm going to watch some TV. And and with like three hours into it, by like two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Like, you better get up and do, like, you know, know, get up and do something because I started to feel bad. You know, I started to get those feelings. So really, I mean, I don't know if it's a way of uh, of ignoring the feelings or just I, by doing things to improve yourself so you don't – those. those feelings I would rather as, be over
1: productive and over-tasked than uh, – it's like that whole thing, idle hands, you know, mm-hmm. the devil's workshop or something like that. When I was in Afghanistan, you know, they have these studies that say that humans can technically not multitask. And I argue that if you're – I was in a situation where, I mean, I was just focused on one thing, but I was multitasking like, motherfucker Mm. i'm talking like it just like it's it's beyond what you see in the movies that that you know i've got all these multiple screens and i'm on the i got what did you
0: do what did you do in afghanistan
1: i don't know how much i'm you know supposed to or not supposed to talk about it but um well from our end you can say whatever you'd love (laughs) right yeah and 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 the older i get and the further away from all that i get uh the less of a damn i give because um you know I, i struggle now with what i was doing um, but I helped, you know, hunt men down with drones and, um, you know, it's a different experience when, uh, I had a good friend, um, that lived with me at Fort Campbell in Tennessee. Um, and he died. He went over there as an infantryman. He was a badass. Mm-hmm. He was like, he would put his gas mask on, sweatpants in the middle of the summer and go running up the hills in Clarksville, Tennessee, around the house just to train. I don't know. He was hardcore, but I love that guy. And I came back from Iraq and then he went over there. He was Facebooking me, you know, when he had confirmed kills. That was his favorite. And then they have the unconfirmed. And it was just, I mean, he was a cowboy. He was meant to do that. He was a warrior. He was, like, born to do that stuff. But um, they went out to uh, rescue a downed convoy, and they hit an IED, and um, he died in the role. But he was up in the crow's nest, I guess. But the point is, um, so it's like, for me, the it's like that survivor's remorse. What I did... Um, I helped kill a lot more people than, like, my buddy did who was actually having bullets fly past him and having to exchange those bullets. I was in an air-conditioning building, um, mostly safe, um, surrounded by a bunch of Navy SEALs, you know, and um, controlling their assets is more or less how you would call that. Um, I was called an uh, ISR tactical controller. Mm-hmm. It's, um, ISR is the Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance. anyway, so... I'm a total nerd. I'm an analyst. So I was a military intelligence guy that started with uh, satellite imagery and um, just all that old conventional, like, Soviet, you know, learning to count tanks and identify stuff from satellites. And then, of course, the drone thing evolved um, right there when I was in it. And so as a defense contractor, which is why I came down to Florida, actually, to Herbert Field. But I did that for two years. and um, Stacked up? You know, I ended up doing... um, the deployment was at the end of my time there at Herbert Field. I went out to Af- Jalalabad, and I came back, and there was this really bad, dumb political situation that happened with the last mission I was involved in, and uh, I got crucified over some really dumb things and treated real poorly by people that I'd, I thought I had earned their respect. And um, it was just a really weird, awkward situation. And from that, I also came back. Um, oh, I was huge, too. I put on, like, 25 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot for me. I mean, like, imagine me with just 25 pounds of weight right now. And um, I'd actually come back and had gynecomastia, is I think how you say it? You know what that is? Like a benign tumor? Okay. It's crazy. I had to get a mammogram and surgery and have this thing removed from my right boob, basically. And um, I just hit this wall of depression. It's one of the worst ones I've had uh, in most recent years. But everything that I was a part of over there started to flood into me in my mind because what we're staring at is this wall of, you know, TV screens... And every time, you know, you drop a hellfire on someone, you you know, you're watching it very vividly. Um, and, you you know, I'm telling people up front, you know, I'm, I, I'm I'm in control of the assets. I'm basically helping them set up for, the, you know, to say, sir, here he is, you know, then working to, to gain the confidence of um, our analysis to say, yeah, this is our confidence level, this is our target, et cetera. And then I'm there throughout that entire process, you know, next to the guy who's the button pusher, basically, And you're watching it over and over. You know, you see men crawling away from their legs. You see women crying over their husbands. And then you see even more horrible things. You see a lot of innocent people that, you know, just the wrong place, wrong time, Mm -hmm. collateral damage. And it's just a lot of of dying. And then um, I think I have this huge internal regret that I was a part of that. uh, And I feel almost cowardly because I wasn't ever – I mean, you're always under threat of mortars. I mean, I was having breakfast over there with a friend and uh, right across the street from where we're eating, a helicopter just exploded one morning from a mortar that just nailed it. Um, And so you're always aware, you know, that you're in the danger zone. But I never had to leave the FOB. I never had to leave my camp, really. And I just, I, you know, I was a part of helping, you know, take out a lot of important targets and some I am still proud of because I felt very confident that they were actually bad guys mm-hmm. um, and some of those would make the news occasionally and it was neat to be a part of that behind the scenes. But then the majority of it was all awash and it's just so many so many lives that um, every time we, we killed someone it was their brother, their uncle, their their sons rising up to join the fight. It's like we just perpetuated I saw violence perpetuate. I yeah. saw that we were just creating more of a problem. and then as I walked away from it all, and this PTSD of this experience set in. Then there was ISIS, and then there was like even more heads getting cut off and all this weird stuff. And it's just like we've created a toxic black hole over there, yeah. uh, politically and and in other ways. And it's just to me, um, that's another podcast for another time. But that is part of my um, my struggles for sure. And uh, the green door, and and not to like try to make it sound better in every in any way, but. I went from experiencing all of that and being obsessed with, oh, my God, you know, it's like blood on my hands. I just use my brains and my brilliance to help hunt down humans, like to end lives of people that I just felt like I had no business doing. I mm. come from America, flying over there, and I'm in an air-conditioning building is taking them out, and um, I'll never forgive myself for some of that. You know, Russ Witten, uh, pastor of downtown church, who I really adore, he told me one morning, he's like, You know, you can be forgiven for anything. And I, I have a strong conviction. I don't want to be forgiven. I don't want that erased. I need to know, I need to remember, and never go back to that. I have a strong vow against violence, you know, after what I went through because it, it's, you know, it's like that thing you grow up and you hear, even if you're not a churchgoer, you hear Jesus said, Turn the other cheek. And I've heard that, you know, put in all sorts of ways. I've heard people mock that. I've heard jokes about it. I've heard people preach about it. Um, but it's something I really try to live by to a degree. Uh, I still believe in walking tall, and if you got to slap a man down, to, you know, for his own good, you might have to do that. But or defend yourself or someone you love. But for the most part, I mean, not to put it out there, but I'd take a couple blows to the face before I'm going to react because I have a very strong vow against violence. It just mm-hmm. perpetuates itself. And the green door was completely birthed out of, oh my God, I was a part of all this destruction. What can I do to be a part of like creation? and i was wanting i've always had a passion for art and music and just and musicians and artists and i just literally built that place around that concept of and it's hard you know with marketing you're supposed to pick your your you target that segmentation you target that m- piece of the market and i kept coming back to this you know i was googling my business plan and i'm like you know what i want everyone i want everyone i want everyone that feels that walks in the store to feel no discrimination to feel comfortable i want this to be a melting pot of anyone you know and um, it was a rough business plan, but it it that part worked for some reason. The people that went up that staircase to check it out usually really enjoyed it. I think I've only heard like one or two negative uh, remarks out of like a thousand. And there's all those things that I'm anxious about that I know could have been better. I wish I could go back and redo. And I learned so much from that, um, and wanted to you know take those lessons on and have taken a lot of those lessons on in business down the road. But the one thing we got right there was that vibe and it was just serving everyone and making sure that, um, and it was funny, most of the staff was also anxious and depressed. I mean, and it was just this weird family we had. And I, and by the way, I never hired anyone. They came and showed up and I couldn't hardly pay any of them. It was just a weird ragtag bunch, but we were like the tightest family. And it was all just love and empathy, which doesn't work. Never works anywhere, but it worked for us. Um, until I brought other people in. It worked, and it was weird, and um, it wasn't profitable. That was my fault as a businessman, you know, not knowing uh, as much about finance, economics, and also just not – I didn't like taking people's money back then. Bill that owns Fockers is a friend of mine. He used to give me a hard time about that. Like, hey, you're trying to make a living. Don't forget that, you mm-hmm. know. And um, I just really wanted people to have that one place. I called it the sanctuary, and um, – and I do miss it sometimes. I miss, I'm like, man, that really was. And I remember when we moved it to the new spot, I'm not like too, too hokey and spiritual about stuff, but I went in the space and I really did like this own little ceremony. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to take you with me. I'm going to take this sacred vibe that everyone feels so strongly here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move it to the new spot. And uh, that just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you find out sometimes those vibes come from people that are specifically a part of an organization, um, filling it with that vibe. But for sure, I think the green door was uh was like my part of my redemption story. You know, was a and I didn't advertise that a lot. I don't. I still don't like to. And that's part of coming here today to open up about some of these things. But um, yeah, that place I think really became this lighthouse for depressed people, and people that uh, minorities of all types, whether they were Consider themselves minority because of their sexual preference or their skin color. It just became that place, and through that, we had the most awesome open mics. We had the most colorful crowds. I mean, it was really. I thought for a long time, I was like, "Man, this is going to blow up at any minute." Mm-hmm. I was like, "This is it. Like, I'm going to be able to like pay all these people good money for what they do. We're all going to have a good life." Um, and I never planned to do it long term. I have like major, crazy, long, long term plans. So I'm like scuttling through life just trying to get there. Every open door, I've got you know, two little business projects right now that are relatively new, and, um, and I'm basically trying to establish multiple streams of income by the time I'm 40 is one of my goals. Um, but I, I want to do so many other things and just be attached to any one business or any, especially a brick-and-mortar location. Um, but I had bigger hopes for that place, mm-hmm. you know. And the truth is, um, Rich and I were definitely button heads, but by the end of it, it was my anxiety... That drove me away. I mean, I just, and maybe you've probably experienced this on some levels, especially, you know, when you were uh, managing Imogene and stuff, but it's at that point where you feel like everyone is patronizing you, and you feel like everyone is just like, oh, yeah, you're awesome. I love what you do. I love your place. I love this. I love that. And it was just like every day. is like TJ, TJ, TJ. And it got to the point where it just felt so, like I couldn't trust it. I couldn't trust anyone As Everyone was my friend, and it just felt fake, and it felt weird. It was like that one thing. I've always wanted to be that accepted, I guess. I've always wanted to be a person of influence and, like, share my love and any insight and just be there for people, but it became this weird twist and a nightmare to where, by the end of it, you know, I just basically snuck off stage left and went and had a family and moved to Gulf Breeze Mm -hmm. and just – I was off Facebook for years. I just totally went from that to complete, like, recluse Mm -hmm. living and – I never explained myself to hardly anyone because how do you say sorry guys i'm anxious i don't trust any of your affections i'm out yeah you know? but that's that's how that went there's down. a lot there and there's a lot
0: that i can relate to um first off um i don't i don't think if, if i look back to the way that that i grew up and my father was an extremely hard worker but when i was a child if when my dad came home he was in the air force all right um if he wasn't either tdy deployed or whatever while he was at home. It, when he would he was a meteorologist. so cool. you know once he once he made you know e five e six, he didn't have to work the mid shifts anymore. and he was pretty much a day staffer for the most part, very little deployment toward right. the end of his career. But the thing is, for him to get a call at home after five o'clock, it better be fucking important, right, right? <laughs> so now that i don't I don't think humans are meant to be on call twenty four seven. All right, like, um, and I think that adds to the de- the depression and the anxiety. Oh like, yeah, like this fucking phone. Dude, that there's there's never a time when anyone should be like, it's it's ten thirty at night. Maybe now isn't the best time to text Jared and expect a fucking response from him yeah. right now. But the reality of it is, it's my business. It's, it's what like has 24/7 to happen. Too it, it's, this, it doesn't stop. Yeah. So, so I think that alone adds to it. I don't think we're and and that, I think that also goes back to what you were saying about multitasking and, and oh, oh, things right. like that, yeah, dude. Um, I think we're we're literally uh, there's. There's 10 different ways to get a hold of me now. I have four or five fucking email addresses. God. I have an Instagram. I have a Facebook page. I have a fucking phone. Um, Imagine has an email account that comes directly to me that I'm meant to. So basically, I'm on call all the time. And if you don't respond immediately, oh, and, man. and you ask anyone like what, like anybody in the business, what do you like most about Jared? He's on it. I, you text really are, by the I text him. I text him something, yeah. and he gets back at me immediately with what I need. solves the solves the issue. But I don't think we're supposed to be that way. I don't think that's the way our life is supposed to be. No,
1: and well, I think that that's not the way it's been. That's what, and that was part of this conversation today, mm. which I'm sure you have the same exact thought. It's that the social media aspect and our this idea that we're all connected, like on our Facebook or whatever. It's led to where we're at, and that's. I wanted to walk in here and say. I've struggled with depression my whole life. Anxiety seemed to get worse the older I got. Um, I feel like you can relate to some of this. I just have this intuition about it. Maybe you too, Shane. I'm not sure. But I feel like we can all agree that it seems like everyone's anxious. It mm-hmm. seems like we've all become, even those of us that were not never too, like, Like I mean, I, I hate myself for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I know I shouldn't. And I know I tell people, you know, it's one of the things that's really important, like, trying to love yourself. It sounds almost like a a vanity thing, but it's it's really not. Like, it's super important. And a lot of what we deal with um, as individuals and the way we live and the way we experience the world around us and the way we even treat others has to do with how we feel about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you find a lot of people, especially narcissists, that are just like, they just take and they take and they take and they seem so abusive and they seem like they love themselves. But then you you start to peel it back and you realize that there's – a part of themselves that they absolutely don't like, and they know they're just shitty, but they don't want to acknowledge the smell in the room. But the point is the anxiety that we're all feeling. Like, I, I used to hate text messaging, but now i found that I'm almost, like, addicted to it because I'm anxious to bother someone. So I feel like the text is more passive. Like, hey, get back to me when you can. I don't know what you're doing right now because I'm, I'm overthinking. I'm already, you know, are they on the phone right now? Am I going to interrupt? Are they at work? What are they doing And even running a business, you know, I do mold remediation in Panama now. And a lot of my customers, you know, they text. That's another thing that's been weird to me is just how many people do text. Yeah. I'm not used to that. I mean, it's like I feel like I guess it's because of my different roles as an entrepreneur and stuff. And now I've got this type of business. I felt like customers would want more of an in-person or on the phone. And most of them prefer text. And I'm okay with that too, because my life's crazy. The problem with text for me, though, and I'm not as organized as you seem to be, and that's where I'm trying to get right now really badly. I need it. I'm all over the place. I can't help it. I'm just so, my mind runs, and I stay busy, by I have this yard project behind the house I live in, and it's epic. It's like Hurricane Michael devastated everything over there, and this forest has like all these trees bent over and weird twisted branches, and I've gone through and cleared out like a magical wonderland. I'm still working on it. Um, I've even added some solar lights. So I'm trying to give a space for my daughter to really enjoy and for me to enjoy, but it's something that helps me the most with my brain and all these thoughts going on is just to get out there and sweat. And I literally, I got like a handsaw and loppers and I just go out and work myself to death mm-hmm. to fight all this going on in my head. And it becomes overwhelming. I think when I realize God, I feel like everyone else is also anxious. I'm not alone in this. I'm not trying to be alone in this. And I don't know if we talk about this enough, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone else, like you were saying earlier, like you were not comfortable to express that or to be open about it. Like, to me, depression, when I first realized that's what I was struggling with, because we didn't talk about it a lot when we were growing up and stuff, you know. Now it's like it's like everyone, it's, you know, hashtag whatever. But back then, you know, my dad would always tell me, son, you're the weirdest kid I know. My dad was also in the Air Force, by <laughs> the way. And um, I grew up in a very strict, you know, I got spanked. I got grounded. I had chores. I had to pull weeds. Had I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't like hell. I don't complain about it, but it, it wasn't easy. And, um, it made me strong in a way that made me regret being depressed because I look at it as a weakness. And I look at my anxiety as a weakness. And I beat myself up over that. And I get depressed. And a lot of my depression is the inability just to get up and do something. It's the inability to overcome it's like being frozen still. It's weird as hell. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that have depression are freaking out because they don't want to look lazy and they don't wanna look like they're just trying to get by and mooch on people. They're not it's just It's hard to explain if you haven't dealt with it directly that it's really this crippling thing. It's all in your head, but it's a biochemical. It's a real disorder. It's a real biochemical process that's either misfiring or firing too much. And they still don't have it sorted out. Mm -hmm. You know, All these SSIs or whatever the different types of medications, I've tried multiple, and I I can never trust a medication again. Um, And marijuana was the only thing that did help me after Afghanistan. Like literally... I started having panic attacks. I didn't even You know, to, uh, we just had Tony
0: on from Heritage and he he had the exact same I have story. I'm not listening to that yet. With they getting don't... out of the Air Force. That's the the immediately he got out of the Air Force. He actually had uh, he had to go to counseling mm. in the Air Force for his a- anxiety issues. And when he got out, the first thing that he did too was turn to the Gong immediately. Yeah. And I mean, I that, that's Tony. how you got Heritage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And thank God, yeah, right? right yeah. I mean, and that's how
1: yeah. the green door a lot of people used to say things. I kept it really low key for a long time, but the, the truth is I came back and I'd always thought, um, panic attacks were kind of just blown out of proportion and people use them as excuses, but no Shame. Yeah. And then I was there and it was like, literally, I don't know how to explain this, but all I wanted to do was like run through a window. Like, I don't even know, it made no sense, but it's like, literally my mind is telling my body like just run through a glass mm-hmm. wall. Like I don't, I was freaking out and, um, I had a good friend that was like, come over and, um, hang out and tried this out, and it had been so long since I'd done it, and when I was a kid, it was funny because it always gave me anxiety, and then after those um, experiences in Afghanistan, it just, just calmed me down so much, and um, the truth is, now I've gone um, completely sober from that too, to try to get back, a see if there's any more clarity out there to find, and and, and it's funny just how, I went 31 days, after like five years, I went 31 days, and I was struggling hard. I mean, my dreams, I don't know how to explain this. Have you tried Oh, Yeah, man. Well, when I, how do you explain the dream? I, well, like, when I
0: first got it, when I first got out of the military, that's the first thing I took to as well. Yeah. Um, and I also like started bartending at Mellow Mushroom. So it was Check, just like, yeah. yeah, let's serve some drinks and let's get high as shit all the time. Yeah. Um, so I, I probably had a good four or five years to where I didn't go more than 24 hours without consuming somehow. Yeah. But then it probably around like, Probably around like eight years ago, um, seven years ago, something like that, it started to have the opposite effect on me and started to uh, induce panic attacks and anxiety. It started to have the exact, like what I was utilizing it for, started to do the complete opposite. So I stopped. I quit smoking maybe like two or three times a year, maybe for like four years. And then just recently... Uh, started to utilize it a little more with the medicinal, but it's so much more calculated because I know exactly the strain I am getting. That's, I know that's exactly key, how many I milligrams I am taking. I know exactly how it's going to affect me. And, and does still, yours
1: have CBD also?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I have. Um, I utilize three different, th- three different things really. Um, I have just straight up indica indica drops that I put under my tongue when it's night night time so oh, i've man. i've never slept so good in my entire oh, my life i'll bet I put four or five drops under my tongue and within about 25 minutes i'm asleep and it's uh you know when you consume it it's different than when you smoke it so it'll stay with me for about six hours so i know that i'm probably gonna get six hours of solid ass sleep it's changed my life in that but then um like during the day i don't really utilize the high thc stuff that often um, that's actually, to be honest, I kind of utilize that more in a recreational way. Right. Right. Like if I'm going to go to see a movie or if I'm going to go for a, a long bike ride, especially a good movie. Or, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like if I'm going to go to a show or something like that. But, uh, but then I also have my straight CBD that I use every day. And do you feel so, a difference from the CBD? No,
1: not really. I, um, I, a little bit. It'll, I ask everyone know. because it's, it's, it seems hit or miss. Some yeah. people swear by it and then others like, oh, I don't know. But I've
0: not used my medication in eight months. Okay. So the the initial when I when I got uh, when I when I got my medicinal marijuana card, it was so I didn't have to take my medicine anymore. Um, I just got my prescription re-upped, but that's because I've got like four or five flights within the next two months, and I Damn. freak the fuck out before I get on an airplane. and I'm <laughs> not trying to get arrested by bringing my weed through a, yeah, a fucking yeah, airport. Yeah. Um, so I have that just for my flights. But aside from that, I'm not taking any medication at all. Um, but but to get back to what you were saying, after like those. The, the, like those five years of smoking every day. Like the, the first week that you quit smoking, your dreams are insane.
1: Uh, actually, I, I had about three weeks. Um, this was recent in my life. Um, I'm in one of the healthiest relationships I've ever been in, which is like a huge deal. That's great. Congratulations. It man. is. <laughs> and I, you For don't, now. you don't know. It. Yeah, <laughs> no, you don't actually even know my past. I'm not even going to get into it. But um, I've just, my whole life's a funny shamble sometimes about relationships. But the, the point is. Um, I smoked cigarettes since I was 16, and I just quit that. I read a book by Jordan Peterson, Mm -hmm. and um, it was just, I mean, I'm actually like four for four on the audiobooks. Have you heard of Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah, I've read it. Did you love it? Uh, Most of
0: it. Yeah, of some it. of it. Uh, it really helped me out a lot as far as um, just if I'm going to purchase something, breaking it down into what is an asset right, and what yeah, is a what liability. Are, what is actually an asset? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so it definitely, it, it definitely gave me some perspective on it. But it, I would, I would recommend that everyone read reads Rich Dad Poor. I, oh, I
1: do, I do too. Sure. And and one thing I love, I'm an audiobook junkie, and it was only like six six and a half hours, mm-hmm. so it's like it's, I can vac while I'm working and. Um, As a mold thing. And anyways, and just listen to my my earphones. But I read the Jordan Peterson book, and it was about – I think it was like uh, 12 Principles of Life or whatever it was. And it really – it has a lot to do with being honest with yourself. It's really about honesty. I feel like the whole book was just – and I realized – and also um, in my new healthy relationship was heavily encouraged, you know, um, because smoking is pretty damn gross. But I – I just loved it. It was like that thing, you know. I realized when I was coming up, you know, I'm only 34, but I was coming up, it was already cigarettes were going on the down. It was already, this is gross, and the commercials are coming out. No more Joe Camel. But I felt like even more associated with it, like, oh, you know, I'm one of the last. Like, it was like this, this like, legacy thing to smoke. And it, it was just funny how, it was like I I, I grew up, I wanted to, it was like this thing, like Han Solo and Indiana Jones and, like, these John Wayne and these different characters that I, in my mind mixed to be this guy I wanted to be well traveled and this whole thing like even war like I, I hadn't really anticipated going to the military, but all those things that um, as a young kid I remember dreaming of doing and being and I kind of became that in a way and then ended up not being as great especially for my health as I would had thought yeah but it, part of it was a self-destructive that's what I had to identify was that you know I'm smoking and I know that some smokers can live to be. 90 years old I've met him at Waffle House I swear to God I've met a 90 year old man at Waffle House he didn't have all his teeth but he's smoking strong but the point is um, I could never truly quit cigarettes and I finally just did after like 18 years I read that book and I had a lot of encouragement in my life and I was like wow and it's funny even today I was buying something at a, a store and I saw these cigarettes so I'm like you know what it's weird I don't have any desire to do that and 18 years you know I mean? my oldest kid's 14 yeah um, and uh, no shit yeah. I didn't know that. There's a lot you don't know, buddy. But the point is... um Man, have you caught him saying that F word yet? My, first of all, I don't know how to explain <laughs> this, but uh I've been really blessed. My, um, my oldest, Charlie, is just an angel. And her sister, Stevie, she's 12, about to be 13. Good Lord. Um They're just really good kids. Like, honestly, everyone says about the kids, or maybe they don't, but they really are. I don't get to be with them enough, and they're out in Oklahoma City, but they... They've just always been excellent. And um, honestly, my daughter, Charlie, my oldest, I, you just I don't. she's never been a problem child. I mean, and even if she became that, it's like she's been so good. Like, I don't think we could be that upset. Like, okay, yeah, say what you got to say, do what you got to do. But um, I'm really blessed. They're just good-natured, you know, little angels. But um, the point back to the sobriety was that with the marijuana, I realized if I could quit cigarettes after 18 years, I should at least try to go completely sober of all things, you know. And I read that Russell Brand book. And I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just give this a shot. And so with the help of my partner, I went uh, first into a 31-day stint. I'm telling you, the, the three weeks of hell, like, and it was weird. I was at a place where I was waking up early and having my coffee mm. and getting things done, and then I do that, and it literally my sleep was, my sleep cycle was so messed up. I was, my dreams were like nightmares because they were so real. And I mean, I you know, it's like, and I even have Googled this, and it's like it's a common thing in the threads mm-hmm. out there. But I mean, I was dreaming, even just recently, and my dreams, was sucks is that I wish I could go back to not dreaming anymore because I forgot the dreams are really distracting, at least for me. Like I wake up, if I'm remembering them, I had a dream the other day, I've had a lot of dreams lately where someone from Asia, North Korea, or China has invaded, and there's like these planes coming overhead, and I'm running at people. Come on, we got to go. Like I recognize what's happening, and then it's like Red Dawn kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Well, the other day, I literally, I'm like having to run and grab my daughter, Gaia, my youngest, out of someone's hands. She's in a swimming pool. I'm having to grab her as bullets are flying, and the person holding her um, is a friend of mine. And uh, I don't know what happened in the dream. I didn't look. But basically, like, I took my daughter from her hands as I'm running. And bullets are, like, coming through the pool. So just imagine that everyone else was dying. And I've just got my kid. And I'm running through the, the jungle, basically, at that point. And I woke up literally just, like, my heart's racing. I'm sweating. And I couldn't get that out of my head all day. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to me that the, the side effects when you quit that real chronic use, it's just, it's, it was impossible for me to get back to normalcy. Um, and I'm still trying to find a balance, and I don't know if I'm going to find that. Um, and again, I don't want to try any other real medications that the um, come in pill form. I, that stuff just scares me. I've tried it multiple times over the last, you know, long period of time. Actually, since I was in my early twenties, and never had good success. So I'm trying to find more of a holistic balance. Um, at a minimum, I think the ganj will be, you know, the one I have to have to do, which I think is when it comes to consequences, the least of all of them. You know. I would rather my friends go out and smoke than go out and drink, Mm -hmm. hands down, any day. Drinking, that's one thing I hated about the green door. I hate having a place that you're building up for fellowship and good times, but the alcohol is hard because... And people are always like, why don't you get liquor? Why? And I didn't really want liquor. Like, yeah, profit margins or whatever, but...
0: Yeah, but it would also cost you six figures to get a, a license to be able to sell it anyway.
1: But it costs so much up front, and it costs so much liability, but it raises statistically all of the wrong things that come with alcohol. You know, your friends leaving drunk and getting in accidents or worse, or people, you know, sexual assault or just fights and just dumb shit that happens with mm-hmm. people in fire water. So, anyways, but that's another thing. That's And I guess... I brought this also to say during this podcast that for me, alcohol, I don't know how I survived alcohol in my 20s, like especially when I was in Korea for two years. And it was self-destructive. It was my depression. It was this – when I went to Korea, I was away from my kids for the first time in such a long stretch, and I just everything crowded in on me. And I know it happens to a lot of soldiers. My brother, uh, Chad, just came back from Korea, actually, and I know it was hard for him just being away from everybody, really. Korea was awesome, great experience, but being away from your kids – recommend that for anybody but alcohol it's funny now i am grateful that i have a respect for it because um i was definitely an alcoholic you know for at least a you know stretch of my 20s where i had to have it Mm -hmm. i got to the point of shakes i got to the point of all the things that you know i've heard about in life and i'm not proud of that did the air force have um a substance abuse program Oh, yeah. We had one called uh, ADAP, maybe, or Arm- Army Drug Abuse Program or mm-hmm. Army Substance Abuse. Anyways, I had to do a sixty 62-day t- stint of sobriety in Korea, and I, I was voluntold. I don't know if you guys use that term in the Air Force, but was strongly recommended by my leadership that I get help because um, I was an amazing soldier. I was always, if I was in uniform, I was the best of the best, like always. Won all the awards, did all the best things, always good at everything from the PT to the shooting, but um, my personal life, I just was just partied pretty hard, mm-hmm. and I and I had a good time. I wasn't mean and negative. I was happy. Everyone loved partying with me. But I just drank so much, and so now, um, and I use that to to cope with depression and to cope with anxiety. But now it's like I barely ever do this. In fact, last night was the first time I've had alcohol in a long time, um, and even right now, this is. It's honestly really tasty too. By oh, the way. I'm enjoying like, it. This is what is this, four roses? <laughs> well, yeah. I went in there on a budget and I'm like, you know, this is I haven't had four roses in a while, but um, yeah. It, but it, another thing too, it's it does help your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the point of the bar. It's like until
0: you, the next day, it depends on how hard you go.
1: <laughs> and it does depend on how hard you go. Yeah. But I've been there's forced. <laughs> there's been some
0: there's been see, my problem isn't I'll go days and days and days without drinking. Yeah. My problem is when I'm having a good time, I don't want it to stop.
1: Oh, trust me. Yeah. I- so
0: that's my, my issue with alcohol. And that's always been my issue with alcohol. I'll go, I, I mean, shit. I, last year I did several challenges. I did vegan. I, I went vegan for 30 days. I did no booze for 30 days. I rode my bike for a certain amount of fucking miles and ran a certain amount of miles. Like I like setting up challenges love for that. myself. I love that. Um, but, uh, but the, as far as the booze go, um, I've, you know, it's definitely caused some issues for me in my past 100%. Um, some some would argue that uh you know a couple times a year it'll still cause an issue or two uh, but yeah my my problem isn't that like i wake up and i think about it and i need to have it. my problem is i'll go six or seven days without drinking at all and there's a very very uh i don't know that, that can, between three and 13 doesn't exist yeah you but, know?
1: and oh, so here's a great story um so I didn't. I wasn't trying to preach about my great behaviors with it. I I'm, I'm I can go months without it, but mm. I still have that slippery slope. And at the and this was so funny last year. I can't remember when it was. I think maybe in the summertime or the fall. But I was on Miracle Strip, and there was an event at the Green Door, and there was an event at um, Enlightened Studios. And I was going back and forth with some friends, and it was just all hitting me the nostalgia of you know, and it's. And I'm I'm not trying to say this out of b- a pretension, but it's like to know you're standing there on the sidewalk, and that these two places literally exist because of your brain, like mm. literally. Was it the rooftop show?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> that was another badass
1: night. Um, and you know that's the thing too about the rooftop show. It was a brilliant idea, but you know our business would not have profited had I not made those moves to put kegs out and do those things. There's there's aspects of this of these, you know, types of businesses or even just in entertainment where you have to consider sustainability. How do you generate cash flow? How do you gen- make money doing the thing you love so we can all have a good time? It's a great challenge, obviously. But I was in this moment where I'm like, no one knows. No one. It's like, and I don't want, you know, I don't want to be like, hey, I created that. And hey, that was my idea. You know, like Cole would have never left his house if I hadn't come home and been like, hey, dude, guess what? I have this idea. And I might have to take over the old green door, and I was thinking we could incorporate this. It was like this whole thing that un- unfolded. And um, to be standing there and to know, like, this was all in my head, you know, this whole idea of, you know, even even the green door, like to see it on the Miracle Strip. It's not what I wanted it to be originally, but I love that it still exists. It's mm-hmm. five years come May. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm a fan of Ian's as well. Um, I got to meet Ian yeah. um, in November, and I really like. I'm yeah. just, I'm just thrilled. I think they're going to add pizza if they hadn't already. Like, first of all, I think every town needs music venues. Yeah. I think there needs to be more stages for artists and all those things. But I just love that right there. I just have this one. Just driving through, like no one else is going to know, but I know. I'll know that for my whole life. I was this guy that had all these ideas and wasn't able to do much with that. And then finally, I had my break after Afghanistan and started to learn how to bring those to life and. just hustle harder and I was there in a moment and got carried away with this and then someone had a vape pen and next thing I know everything was spinning and I found myself and it was was like weird it was like I guess I did start to get proud you know no one else knew that but in my mind you know I was getting really proud of like oh God, look at this thing, dude. Like, you really, you you got, you are part of this creation of all this, all these people, all these musicians, everything happening around you. Like, none of it would be here if you hadn't done it. Like, and then I got super sick, and there I was, like, there's a huge trash can right by the green door bar at the end of it, and I was just, I was all the way in, like, folded all the way in. It was just, thank God it was empty. And I had friends, thankfully, kind of shielding me, but I was just puking my guts up, yeah. puking my guts up. And and what do they call it, crossfaded? I was sorry. <laughs> I, dude, I was so faded, and it was definitely the cross faded. And I'm telling you, like, I have not hurled like that in forever, and it's my least favorite thing to do. But it was, like, very humiliating but in a very humbling way to go from that moment of, like, oh, my God, I was a part of doing all this, and then, like, oh, I just overdid it. And yeah. my friends literally had to carry me <laughs> back to my apartment, and um, that's the last time I think I overdid alcohol. But I thought, you know, how funny that I was in this moment and also, I try to talk about moderation, and then I got carried away too. But um, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing.
0: Yeah, it happens. I was like, sure. you know,
1: you know, Hayden, um, the drummer. Yeah, he. I, I know who he is. I don't I don't know him personally, but great, I know who he is. Great dude, Rossi was one of my favorite bands. I used to play at the Green Door and stuff, and just great. I like what Rossi guys. does. Yeah, they yeah, I love sure. love their energy. Um, just they're just they were always respectful. You know, Chance is one of the nice guys in the world. Logan, they're all great, but. Um, I was telling Hayden like uh, that night I was up at the bar and I was like, "Man, it's so great!" I was like, "So proud to see you, you know, doing all these things years later." And blah blah blah. And then like an hour later, I was just hurling in the trash can. I'm like, yeah. "So, well, so it's okay to be
0: proud, but it's also okay to be humbled pretty quickly too." I prefer <laughs> yeah. humility.
1: I prefer humility in my friends and in all my interactions. But you know, it's—I just- mean, you should see me every bow jams at about ten fifteen. Like when it stops
0: at ten, you should see me at about ten fifteen. <laughs> Uh, because oh, yeah, he's that the, asshole hurling in a trash can. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, be, because I get there at you know I'm there at six thirty a.m. setting everything Whoa. up, up and down those stairs. For namesake, on, sake? on well, no, no. Bo, Bo, Bo jams is my event. Like I, I created it. It's like my uh, festival. Yeah. So I get there and I'm putting all of it together, putting all the bands together and everything, and then by. I, I make like a, a deal to myself, like no booze until nine o'clock. But once nine o'clock hits <laughs> yeah. and like my headliner's been paid, they're on. And they it only sound an good. Hour to drink. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's just like, boom. Yeah. But, the, but the thing is, I don't eat throughout the day really as much as worst, I should. Yeah. And I probably I probably burnt five thousand calories from going oh, up and down those stairs sure. countless number of times. Um, so it doesn't take very much. And then, but the thing is, once I start drinking, everyone's like, oh, Jared's drinking now. Ah, shots, <laughs> you know, whatever. So it's it, every year by about 10, 15, it's like, it's time to go home. Like, I'm always like, I want to do an after party, but there's no way I'd <laughs> i make it. I
1: do <laughs> think it's good though, right? Like, that's the thing about moderation. When I scream at moderation is like, I can go months and months and it's okay to get wasted every mm. now and then. It's okay, I think. That's part of like humanity. We should all get together. Like all indigenous tribes, all mm. like throughout, I've, I'm an anthropology nerd. They all have something, whether it's a cactus flower or some kind of alcohol they've made. They all and it's usually, and I think we should treat it like ritualistically. Like, but that goes to like, for example, when you're at your bow jams, like that's the thing. It's, it's like a ritual at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, well, that
0: and that, that's what I was comparing it to, because you're proud. You've created this event. It's yeah. gone off all day. Celebrate. Everyone's had a great time. People are dancing in the sand. Like there's nothing else like this in this town. You did a good job. Get fucking wasted, Fuck, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. or maybe not even when get wasted. When is the next Bojams? Uh, March thirty first, very soon. Wait, what? Yeah, what day of the week is that? It's, uh, it's always the last Sunday in March, dude. Where so is it? It's at Bowchamps. Okay, yeah, I
1: at hope I can make that. Yeah, and you drink with go. you. It's that a will, fun. I will, It's a fun time. Yeah. Come about nine o'clock.
0: <laughs> yeah, <that's> what, exactly <laughs> or come out again. all day. There's gonna be some great bands.
1: No, so. for real. I um, that's awesome. I'm sorry, I'm kind of out of the scene, out of touch, but um. Oh, I will say this. I mean, you're inundated with all these people hitting you up. I got to that point in Fort Walton last year, and even after I left the studio, Enlightened Studios, it was, like, overwhelming the amount of people that – and I like that. I like being the guy that people are like, hey, I got – literally every week of my life, and you you might get this too, it's just like, TJ, I've got this business idea, blah, 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 blah. Hey, TJ, you know where I can get a gig? Hey, TJ, I'm looking for a job in this area. Hey, TJ, I'm looking for a place to live. I'm trying to sell this thing. I'm trying to do this all the time. So I started my own little consulting My daughter needs a job. Yeah. Yeah, all the things, right? And it's like to the point where I was even starting to tell people, hey, I'm creating Gento. It's been a project for mine for years that I've just fine-tuned to be more of this freelance consulting thing. But it literally just had to force itself at one point because – I'm telling my friends, dude, you know, every week I get these requests and then it started becoming like daily. And I was like, wow, this is a bit overwhelming, especially since I can't turn all this into money right now. I can't immediately convert this into, um, into a capital flow of like, Hey, this is my full-time job. You know, most of my friends and family people asking are not exactly like paying customers. Um, and then when I ended up moving out to Panama City for this, um, mold remediation thing, I just found this great, serenity and being so far away from everyone else that my network which i love and I, I miss getting to connect with but it's toned down like people eventually you know it's like it's also funny on social media like the less you do or the more you do is the amount of you know interaction you seem to get and it's a lot of the algorithms and all that too it's like pay to play but i just have really liked the last couple months of my life it's toned down it's got quiet And um, it's kind of simplifying a lot more than it was, man, because, as you know, it's like that phone going off and all those people always needing something, which I love. I have a problem. I like to serve. Like I like that helps me a lot. I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Getting going from being a bartender, and being in the service industry for uh, almost a decade all the way through college, um, I started to, you know, when I I became a booking agent and uh, and opened up my own talent agency and and caught a little bit of success with it, enough to at least warrant me quitting my bartending job, um, at first I was like, this is wonderful, this is great. But at the end of the day, I'm still just a servant. I'm still just serving other people's needs just in a different way. Like you used to talk to me at Mellow Mushroom and Funky Blue Shack because you wanted the booze that I had behind my bar. Right Now you just talk to me because you want the gigs that I can supply you with to fulfill whatever career... uh, by the way, you have, a, an, you have an
1: amazing um, reputation from everyone I've talked to that's d- gotten gigs from you or worked with you. Everyone. that's And that's... Thanks, man. No, I mean, I mean, seriously, like, um, I have a few people that I really admire in the the music scene and Josette and Shannon out there at 30, uh, 30A Songwriter Radio. Just so love we've been them. trying to get them
0: on here for several months now. They actually, they they syndicate our podcast on their shit.
1: I saw that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it was on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, you want me to pressure them some more, dude? I no, love they already them. do. They already okay. syndicate our shit. Oh, to get them, no, on. To yeah, get yeah, them yeah, on, yeah, 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 yeah no. for sure. I just they're I, just so busy. They, I, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. There, and I, I feel better every time I go in there. and... Joseph's behind the bar. I, just, I know it's a trench. You know you get yeah. you're in the trench and you get a smile and you're making it look good, but yeah. it's a lot of shit. Oh, you can tell
0: she's got a lot. Every time I go oh, up and talk yeah. to her, I'm like, okay, you so, so you go much there going on, so much. You. Yeah, she's so sweet about it. Yeah,
1: but she was. They were so good to me when I started the Green Door, and they had. I mean, they just came out of nowhere and mm. was love and support. And I was like, who are you people? And consistently, and I'm real close with. Um, their daughter Jewel and even Jasmine and John, like uh, Josette's kids are like the sweetest kids. Um, and it just reflects, I think, who she was as a mother or is as a mother. And um, the, the point of what I'm saying though is that people like that that are consistent, people like you that have a consistency with that that image or that reputation that says so much because it's people love to gossip. People love to talk shit. People love to be negative and be critical, but to have so many positive reviews, that's a rare thing Mm -hmm. um, in my experience. Um, Thank you. Well, you won't last, huh? You won't last in this
0: area. If you're not,
1: you won't. And that's part of my issue is I cannot like when I have issues with situations I'm in, I have a fall on the sword mentality because I don't want to cause drama for, my community. Like when I come into these efforts, like the green door and enlightened studios and the sound cafe, and I put my brilliance and passion into something like I'm, I'm doing it for like this greater picture. It's not just a direct, like, it's not about me at that point. I mean, I would like to be recognized as, Oh, that guy's pretty clever. He's pretty smart. He's a go-getter, but I don't need any more attention than I need that stage and that environment for people to come and, Fellowship. I mean, for me, it's this weird thing. Like, it's just the campfire, man. It's just bringing people around the fire. You know what it's all about. And whether it's alcohol or music or whatever, it's bringing us together. Like, I like this. I like conversations, and I like to unload. Like, people. It's so funny. Rich and I had this one conversation. It's one of the last real what, conversations. Yo, real deal.
0: What's <laughs> yeah. up with Rich, man? Because to, to be honest with you, and I, I don't like, I don't, I don't try to trash people on here. But I've only had a couple of interactions with with him. And he's always been uh, uh, somewhat aggressive, yeah. somewhat extremely opinionated, and honestly, someone who who after... Because I came to your place a couple times when it was upstairs. Okay. When it moved to the new place, I started to steer clear because it was like Fugazi's God and fuck everyone else. Fugazi?
1: Why did you say Fugazi? Because every every That's time so I ever funny. saw
0: something from Rich, it was about fucking Fugazi. So funny you and, said And And then like... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to trash anyone. No, but dude, like, I, yeah. but the, the few interactions I had with Rich, I would try to explain to him, like, hey, man, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I feel like you're trying to be an <laughs> asshole. Like, that's just how I feel. Bro, bro. I was
1: at City Hall getting shit open for Enlightened Studios, and they were like... And I'm cl- I was close with... I'm still close, I hope, with some of those guys up there. I just love Fort Walton. But they were like, hey, DJ, uh, you know, I hadn't seen you in a long time. I just want to ask you, you know, Rich was coming up here, and um, he just... It's kind of rubbed us funny, you know. Just every now and then, I'm like, no, no, I hear it a lot. It's okay. Like he doesn't. It's and to Rich, you know, he has. It's one of those like purist mentalities. I appreciate
0: that you're punk rock, right? You know, I look like.
1: And and here's the thing, to me, I sometimes I joke and I call him like a dinosaur. Like he's trapped in this time and this the Fugazi and this thing. But the the one catch with him is that there's a part of Rich that truly loves and cares about the music scene and, like, this idea of, like, promoting artists and stuff. But I think that he, like many others um, before and after him, greatly underestimate what it takes not just to run a business, especially brick and mortar, but to deal with the politics, to deal Mm -hmm. with the socializing, to deal with the networking and just the handshaking and the eye contact and, like, that thing. Like, you can't, even though you're in the trench, which sucks, like, you know, there's so many people that were interacting with me at the green door that never knew. Never knew any of what was going on with me. And that was the point. And with Rich, um, it w- he was so opinionated. And it got to the point where it was impossible to move him in any any conversation. And that was the thing. At the end there, I'm screaming like, hey, dude, we need to generate different a different type of cash flow. Like we need merchandise or we need food. And my partner at the time, um, who became my wife, was um, literally offering different Solutions like deep freezers and fryers and food warmers and all these things. And he just he kept shooting it all down, and he got to a point of frustration. And when I was talking about my anxiety earlier, the truth is he really fed into that near the end. He was like this in my ear. just And, and I could tell, too, that he was biting it a bit. Mm-hmm. So my whole tap dance off was this awkward kind of... Um, This awkward moment. Shame being a producer. That was so so smooth. That was buttery smooth. But it just... It got to the point where his... I don't want to call it just narcissism straight out. It's just he's coming. He's trying to come from a good place. Just all wrong in his approach. And I think he ended up building up this weird wall of resentment and just dumping everyone. Yeah, and, and it just... And this happened all around him. And the truth, you know, he just they just had a kid, and I'm really happy for him. And I think that his life will be so much better now that he's outside of that. I think that he got into it in a good way, and this is overwhelming. And I've seen it eat the best of people. And so um, I condemn him in one hand, but at the same time, I, I have a little empathy for him. Now, he did go – he talked so much shit about me while I was gone that I had to eventually address it on Facebook, which I hate to do. It's dramatic. I don't like to do that. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend walk up, and he was out there telling people I beat my wife and shit that I've never done. Told people I was suing him, doing weird things that I was not actually doing, and I just didn't understand getting demonized. And it's still weird. I I feel this awkwardness with people at Lightning Studios and Green Door where they don't know what to think about me because I don't go out there on a rampage to, like, specify all that's happened. You know, I kind of let it play out, even if it takes years. And that's when I met Ian. You know, it made me feel so much better because of what happened with him and the green door and everything, and knowing that in the end, the people that become my enemies or frenemies, they fuck themselves. I Mm -hmm. mean, they just, they're going to self implode and people are going to see them for what they are. And I am just going to keep moving forward, being who I am, having these interactions. And just, I just want to live by action, man, you know? And if you don't, I had this woman, Christy, tell me she thought it was so, after I left Enlightened Studios, we're out. And I ran into her, and and her boyfriend's a good friend of mine, and they were talking, and he was even trying to stop her. She was a little drunk, and she's like, TJ, I just don't get it. She's like, you're here, and she's like, you know, we went to Enlightened Studios, and we wanted, you know, all these people to come in, and, you know, there was no tables and chairs, and we just, I was mad. I was like, if my friend TJ was here, I know everything would have immediately been awesome, and there would have been chairs and tables and drinks, and everyone would have had a great time. You would have been this amazing host. And then she followed that by saying, "It's just so shady that you're there and you're the green door, and then you're opening this sound cafe thing, and you're there, and then you're gone, and it's this whole thing." And it's like, "How do you think people think about that?" And I'm like, "Well, Christy, you first started." You're obviously by... telling
0: me how you think you're, about you're it. Fir- <laughs> well, yeah, right.
1: But at first, she's telling me. you're I mean, like, "What the fuck
0: do you do, Christy?" <laughs> I
1: know. No, and Christy, by the way, is this amazing, sweet person. Shout to Christy. But shout out <laughs> to Christy. But the point is, she made up front, literally was. We were disappointed you were not there and that we knew if you were there, we would have had this one experience that we ended up not having. And so I'm like, well, Christy, here's my thing. All the times we've ever interacted, have they not been one specific, consistent way? I was like, just because I'm not out broadcasting any disclaimer explanation shouldn't give way to this anxiety that maybe I'm secretly some asshole, like maybe that I'm secretly a bad guy. Like if you're always having this one interaction, if you're literally saying you're disappointed that I wasn't there to be this incredible host, I think that speaks more for, hey, what happened? Like maybe things didn't go great with my business partners. Maybe things didn't go great with the business. Like maybe another door opened and I had to take it. Um... But that's the thing on the scene, you know, it's like if you don't if you're not consistently connecting and putting it out there these days, sometimes it does just, you know, run rampant with the what we called in uh I don't know if you dealt with intelligence in the military, but we had like imagery intelligence mm-hmm. was imminent and so we called Rument. that was a uh, rumor intelligence. Okay. Um but you know, it can run rampant and my thing is just living by action and, you know, judging on consistency. Like I was saying about you and Josette, it's just like it's a rare thing to meet people that have the same exact aura, and the same exact. They're who they are all the time, despite their personal struggles, despite the trenches you're in, and the amount of people calling you when you text and call me. I feel like Jared gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that yeah well, I, I, do. Like, I, honestly, do. I do. I know you do. I know you do. Like yeah. that's
0: not a that's not a facade. Um, to to be fair, um, yeah, uh, to be fair, yeah, we're rocking and rolling, man. I don't care. Fuck it. Um, but I. Um fuck, I just lost my chain of thought. God damn it. I know we we're supposed to talk about mental health and I'm, I know. I'm so sorry. Um fuck, what was I just saying? Shane just let me know that we were going over time because he's <laughs> he's on top of this producer thing he's today. He's a good producer. I know. Um oh,
1: God damn it. Sorry, dude. Yeah <laughs> consistency, <laughs> ruminant, mental health. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it's gone. It's gone. We can't play back. Um <laughs> but but anyway i i guess uh i guess shane gave us the wrap it up music (laughs) yeah um uh man i i feel like i could i feel like i could go for like two more hours but unfortunately yeah i feel like you know what i had all these ideas of talking about
1: (laughs) epigenetics and the things that lead to mental health all this stuff but the point is if anyone's listening they should get help Mm -hmm. if anyone's struggling with anything like reach out and get help like it talk about this stuff you know it's and I, and I encourage you to talk more about it. Like, it meant a lot for you to open up to me just now. Like, yeah. I meant to come in here and talk about my mom's suicide and Afghanistan and these different things. But the truth is, I'm not alone, you know? And I kept having to remind myself, like, I was a kid, and my mom's suicide was, like, this overwhelming thing forever. And How, then you just realized. You realize. can't just drop that bomb and, and us not um, discuss that a little bit, man. Tell me about your, about that, your mom's suicide. How old were you? Uh, it was 10 days before my sixth birthday. Um and it was just, uh, it's a... So you remember
0: this then? Like, this is probably some of your first, like, memories, I would assume. I remember, like, some of my first memories
1: probably four or five years old. My dad was ago. in Alaska, or we were in Alaska. He was in the Air Force, and um, it was just one of those, like, lifetime movies. I was down the hall with my sister, and um, she called him um, from a different location. And um, I don't know, I just i heard ye- yelling or something. And I i went out of the bedroom down the hall, and it's just the weirdest thing. It's like... Um, you know, she did it over the phone, and um, I heard it. I heard I didn't. I mean, you know, it's like. Hey, I didn't on, understand. you were where? Where Alaska? Where,
0: were you? where in Alaska? Wasilla. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, my dad was. I guess was it Elmendorf up there? Yeah,
0: that, I, I lived in Elmendorf oh, for no. six years. No way, dude. Yeah. yeah,
1: I was in. Yeah, I was uh, uh, in Wasilla near Anchorage and all that. And um, I heard the, heard the gunshot. Not really. I don't think at the time. I I I just knew something. My dad was screaming and the phone and it was a lot of drama, and it's very faded after that, but, um, you know, there's a lot of of that that I can never get over, and when I was younger, it was even harder, and um, funny how life is. I've had more things happen since then that have become so traumatic that uh, it diminished that, what people might call PTSD from that experience, Um, but it haunts me, you know, and I, I had three stepmothers, and I had just had this long litany of of things that I think stem from my relationships. A lot of things stem from that one moment in my entire life and it just leaves you with that burning question, was I not worth it? You know, were me and my sister, my brother, were we not worth it? And I came to understand that my mom was a depressed person. That line of latitude by the way, if you don't already know uh, Scandinavia and Alaska, Canada like, it's less sunlight each year. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a perfect storm. And um, On top of that, I found out, even recently in life, actually, that she had been sexually assaulted as a young person, and that that is probably what um, triggered a lot of the things that led to her depression and stuff. Um, She was 24, by the way, when that happened. And when I turned 25, I was in Korea, Uh, it was mind-blowing, and I realized my mother never lived past this age. Um, What year was this? 1990. When she died?
0: Yeah. Um... I might have been in Anchorage at that time. That's
1: wild. September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety. I think I was in Anchorage from eighty four to ninety. Dude, that's weird. Yeah, I was born and to come Washington in eighty four. Ten months later, my sister was born, and then we moved to Alaska, which I guess was eighty five. So I was eighty five to ninety, and then moved to Georgia after that.
0: Yeah, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But that's no, just no, that's, that's kind of weird. weird. It is
1: weird. Small world stuff, man. And. and I think for me, I crutched on it a little bit as a kid. For sure, I did. And I, I feel guilty about that in some ways. It was very traumatic. But I, you, just, you meet so many people that have been through so much shit. Um, you know my, my ex-wife had some mental health struggles, and she ran off with my child for a while. And that was like the most devastating thing I've ever been through. And I didn't understand it. There was no explanation. And I was airbnb in my home to make money and all this stuff. I had a really nice place in Gulf Breeze. And this man, one of the first customers I had, I didn't even open up to him fully about everything. Turns out he had been through something very similar, and had actually gone a longer time than I had to go through. And then I've met other Christy, her boyfriend. Um, he went like eight years without seeing one of his kids. Like I, I've I've met people, and it's like you. That's the thing I think we have to do is remember we're not alone. Shit happens to everybody, and life sucks, and it, it life can suck, but it is that sweet and sour. And that's my thing. Like Buddhism has helped me the most. Uh, there's definitely New Testament tenets that I, I like a lot. I like to treat people the way I want to be treated. And I'm all about the love and the empathy but and compassion. But it really is embracing that middle path to know that right now might suck. But it only sucks because you've had better. And when you're in that good bow jam celebration and everything's good, it's so good because you had this struggle and all the stress and everything that led to that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty. you got to just constantly, and that's my thing about Buddhism, I think people misunderstand about these idols and statues and the whole thing. It's, it's this practice of embracing that life is not always good, and that's what makes life good when it is good. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, I never take a moment for granted when I'm with my children. Um, and I think all my relationships have become even stronger because I am in the moment. Even right now, I'm completely, like, cut out from everything else going on. I'm in this moment with you and Shane, and everything's great, and I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to forget about this. I'm going to be in another moment, as you will mm. too, right? And sometimes that's a problem for me because I don't – I get swept up in a moment because yeah. I don't like to take moments for granted. But um, – yeah, my mom's suicide definitely probably started me on my depression path, as psychologists have said. Um, and suicide is my my greatest enemy. And it's a, to me, it's this counterintuitive, weird evolutionary thing. you know, the DNA is telling all living organisms to create, procreate, and replicate. And then I've got this thing in my head telling me, you failed. Just end it now, and just it'll all be over. Mm-hmm. And I've had some real death experiences that, led me to find that there's actually this weird piece that when you do die, it's just certainty. Like, there's no, there's this, this weird, like, it's over. And all your regrets, all of it, like, it doesn't matter. And so I have this weird struggle where all the time I... Uh, everything matters, but nothing does? Last kind of night, thing? last night, yeah. I was like, why am I thinking about, why, why, why this thought? And I have to fight that. And I think that a lot more people than we realize are fighting that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have fought that, but it's a battle. And it's something that I think we need to talk about this more often, even outside of the podcast. But um, there's people that need help, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I had a very candid conversation with my mom the other day, and I, I told Shane about this. Uh, we were talking about uh, my parents are uh, – how my dad's getting a new gun, and he was asking me what I thought maybe he should get for Our Her dads for are whatever. so similar yeah. somehow. Yeah. yeah, and um, – and he was like, "Do you want to go get one with me?" And uh, I mean, I probably shouldn't just put this out on the podcast, but uh, I, I don't have a uh, a handgun at the house. All right, so I don't, don't Come fucking rob me. Yeah, uh, I've got a fucking baseball You're get stabbed, bat. Right, was, yeah. yeah. I'm not shooting. <laughs> yeah, I sleep next to a baseball bat, and I will smash you. No, funny head though too. Veterans in here saying into that my house. we don't have guns in our house. Yeah, um, but I was talking with, with my mom about about it, and she was like, "Yeah, you should go. You know, go go with your dad, and you know, pick out a gun." Because I've been talking about getting one and and, um, and having one because I I love shooting guns. Like it's oh, a yeah. lot of fun. It's a fun thing that I enjoy to go do. Um, but. Uh, but anyway, I, I was talking to my mom and I was like, you know, I, I I think I do want one at the house for for protection and but just candidly, I just said you, you like my mom knows that I've had just some some bouts with depression and I was like if it gets real, you know, like I've got 25 knives in my house and I've never considered utilizing those to hurt myself. However, I get really sad sometimes. It's just part of it and I and it's something that I know I deal with. It's yeah. it's just part of who I am. And and I've I've been able to luckily I, I recognize it now, and I have tools to use to try to get out of it as soon as possible, or, or just different ways to think about it.
1: And that's what you um, got to encourage others. That's the thing. Yeah. a lot of people, and that's the thing I think we've come to that age where our hor- hormones have decreased, and some things have made it a little easier, mm. plus life experience. But it's a lot of people yeah. that need to hear like what you're saying. Yeah. That there's ways to manage this more. Yeah, you know? but
0: I, but I've also I've had some really really bad nights. Um, and, and luckily those have kind of subsided as I've made life changes Anything you know, recently? to improve, improve my life. Um, not so much, not, not as far as like, like straight suicidal thoughts. Yeah. No. However, I, I do know some people who, who are close to me who've had family members who have committed suicide, um, with a gun. Yeah. And, um, and the thing is like, I, to me, like I, I know how, like how, like how dark, I'm capable of being and I also know that maybe if just on some random chance just everything lines up one night and I'm feeling pretty bad it I don't think it would ever happen but there is a possibility that if I have a fucking gun in my house I'm just gonna say okay solution done if I didn't have children
1: I wouldn't be here yeah Hands down. Yeah.
0: And I I don't have kids or anything, but also like I re- so anyway, I'm having this conversation with my mom and she has no idea how to respond to me. She's speechless. And I'm just trying to be have a really honest moment candid. with my mom like discussing exactly what you and I have just been discussing. Yeah. And, and the reason that I don't have a gun in my household and I, I didn't realize like she was she, I think I I think she was slightly disturbed by the things I was telling her, which for me is just like me talking to you right Right, now. It's just, it's, it's me being honest with myself and being honest with you. It was me being honest with my mother at the time, but at the same time, that's gotta be scary for her to hear. And I didn't take that into account either. So I I think, I think the more that we discuss these things, um, you know, from the outside, maybe a lot of people think that, that I have my shit, that's what, I'm,
1: that's what I'm screaming is it's, you know, it, you know, that's why people, especially like you and what you're doing, it's like, I got so much just coming here, I was going to mm. say all these things, but listening to you, it even helps me. It's like, it, I know for a fact that so many people in my life have no clue what I'm struggling with and I don't want to talk about it all the time because I don't want to sound whiny or weak mm. and I know that a lot of them don't either. I'm not trying to wave some flag to get attention. I hate attention like that. Mm. It's just that the conversation needs to be had and the one you had with your mom and, and the one we're having right now, like... We didn't go in the weeds as much as I wanted, but we need to have this conversation because people need to know that they're one, they're not alone and that two, there's help and there's other people going through it. You a know? lot. A lot of other people. I'd say I'd say at least half of the population.
0: Um, and I'm, not a, I'm not a. i am not i do think it's growing. Yeah, no, I, I, um, Everyone's anxious, yeah. and, and I think half are dude, depressed. Dude, this fucking. Dude, when's the last time that you sat and talked with someone for a fucking hour and a half without look? You know how many times I pressed my phone or my fucking iPad when I was in here? Dude, fucking I'm having zero. I'm
1: having to do it right when,
0: now. When's the last time? Yeah, I'm
1: having look to. Do, I just look, look it. at this
0: shit. Look at that. What just happened in Ugh. a fucking hour and a half? Yeah. But the thing is, that's why we do this Have too. Fun. Yeah, it, I'll take care of that in 20 <laughs> minutes when <laughs> when whatever is done. Um, And, and, you know, that just gets back to, you know, part of I think why Shane and I do this as well. Everyone has a story to tell. The more that we discuss these ideas, no matter what they are, whether it's how you create songs or your art, whether it's how anxiety or depression affects you or, I mean, even simple things uh, as far as, you know, how how Corey, uh, the owner of Boat, came to start Boat Boards and all that. Everyone has a story to tell. There's certain things that we can pick apart from it and apply to ourselves. And I think at the end of the day. Hopefully, you can take something from it that makes you better. That you can apply to yourself. That makes you better as well, and maybe also create some sort of understanding between people. I
1: hope you guys continue you this know. for so long. Yeah, this is the only like Joe Rogan experience around. All right, this <laughs> this is it. This, this Rogan and this man. This is so good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's and that's really. Um, we we make zero dollars at this. Um, it, actually. We used to lose a lot of money because we had to uh, we had to pay for room. But now, luckily, we have a, uh, a partnership with boat yeah. that allows us to have this beautiful new space. Which I am still just looking around, yeah, it crazy. doesn't it almost doesn't feel like it's even real. Um, we're, so, we're but, still, we're but still it, losing if, money though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not for long, <laughs> Shane. Not <Yeah>. for long. <laughs> but but if we can utilize this platform to have honest conversations with people. And if you may hate 90% of what we do here and you're not into it, but you listen to maybe one episode and you can apply one thing that, that changed your perspective on something or change your thought process or, or maybe made like today's conversation. I guarantee you the people that listen to it, hopefully a couple of them maybe feel a little bit better. They've never been honest with themselves about their feelings or, or how they live their day to day or really like taking a self evaluation and looked at it, and it, if one person does that today, oh, we, we yes. effectively... I was kind of uh, hoping changed, that, yeah, that we, someone would hear this, things. right, and think, yeah.
1: okay, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. These guys are dealing with the same thing. I mean, yeah. everyone needs to be honest. They need to be honest with the people around them, especially, like, you're talking to your mom. Mm. Like, if you're struggling with suicide, you need to tell someone close in your life, like, mm. hey, you know what? I, it's a lifeline. That's a lifeline. Sometimes that's all you got, and that person can help you come back from that that cliff, that edge, you know? um but yeah i look forward to this continuing i would say i wish there was an easier way to listen to it i wish there was like a just a, you click the thing and it just immediately open to oh, it. oh there's right? so many ways There's <laughs> so many <laughs> ways That's for bringing that up tj well it's like <laughs> a, you gotta click <laughs> the link in them. the bio Let me tell, tell you tell, yeah tell no us. you don't
0: have to do anything you just go to fucking uh what you use an iphone or android yeah, 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 iphone yeah go to your iphone you have your podcast app it's a little purple app that looks just like that you go to
1: your podcast app how do you listen to fucking rogan you listen to rogan uh, it's been a long time. I think I've done yeah. a lot of YouTube for the Rogan. Okay, yeah, a he's a lot more fun to watch. Actually, the no, I think I've got Jordan Peterson and Rogan. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I've got a I, – I
0: like Peterson, but then there's some things that.
1: When I, I listened to you last time, I had to go through the uh, – I went yeah. to Instagram – yeah oh, okay, you're just doing right, too right too here much, and just, just okay
0: an there it goes go ahead and subscribe and um, if you go to the bottom give five stars yeah, Rate, rate <laughs> we us, would please. really appreciate <laughs> it <laughs> oh my god it's so easy and then um once a week or sometimes twice a week you'll get a notification to, to your phone that says whatever it means to you yeah, uh, it'll, it'll in a few days I it'll say on instagram T. yeah okay well yeah, this is on this is on iTunes. This is on Stitcher. This is on Spotify. The, the, and Thirty Day Songwriter Radio. Yeah, Thirty Day Songwriter Radio. Google Podcast. Uh, yeah, Google Podcast. What uh, else? What is it?
1: UK uh, uh, ca- or UCast? Uh, is it you, yeah. I'm I don't gonna, know. There's like 17 gonna different gonna formats. I'm going to help get the word out. Right? I, I did not kind of know about everything. I never used my podcast. And, b- and that's man, so believe
0: funny. it or not, people are listening. It's kind of weird. Like, we're no, seeing numbers increase. No, I hope so. It's good. That's, I mean, that's yeah. my
1: thing. Y'all have always interesting guests, even the bridge thing. It's like, I don't know. I think these things that people in this community should be tuned in to this. Yeah. I mean, talk radio around here sucks. You yeah. Know? yeah. This is it.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks
1: for coming on. You know what? One more Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sure. Since we went over just a little bit. I'm good. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, congratulations.
0: Thank you. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks,
1: man. Thank you so much. This has been great
0: i could have gone like three more bow hours. jams I mean, march
1: yeah 31st yeah
0: man we aren't here to promote my ship uh, uh, thanks <laughs> i want to be there thanks for uh I, I say that after i just spent two minutes <laughs> saying as a matter of fact you can find our podcast uh, i'm such a fucking dick um but uh but anyway Don't man. Be any any t- yeah no man i'm gonna have to <laughs> hit my pen now um but uh th- thank you for for such an open and honest conversation man you've You've had a, a stack of, of cards dealt to you that I can't even imagine. And um, you, you're obviously dealing with it. You're comfortable talking about it. I hope I hope the conversation that you and I had can help other people as well, man. And uh, 100%, dude, whenever you want to come on here, let me know. Just hit yeah, me brother. up. Thank you, man. Shoot me a text. We'll get you on, man. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll set aside a three-hour block next time. <laughs> yeah. So, Heck yeah. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, man. I was always telling me to put on my seatbelt. Stop sign is always telling me to stop. And half a mile later, I get the same thing from that cop. The world is always telling me what to do Don't hold your breath until your face turns blue Don't drink, don't smoke, don't do crack cocaine Don't jump without a parachute out of a plane Don't drink your craft beers through your plastic straws Don't support gun rights or gun control laws Don't go to a funeral pretending you're dead Don't name your kid Richard if your last name's head Don't go up in the dirigible or down with the ship don't request wagon wheel if you're not gonna tip There's a whole lot of don'ts, but there's one big do. Listen to this
1: podcast, whatever it means to you